you for listening to our podcast. Make sure and subscribe so you can check in with us every week. We hope this message inspires you and leads you to a vertical life. Yeah, all right. Good to see each of you here today. I'm excited as we conclude our Climb That Mountain series today. It's hard to believe we've been in this two months, but we have. I love the first verse of that last song we just sung. It says, Jesus, you climbed a mountain I could not climb. I want to read to you Psalm 24 as we start today. It asks a question, and then it gives a faithful answer. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. And here's the question. Who may ascend or go up into the hill of the Lord? Who can go up into God's presence? Or the verse says, or who may stand in his holy place? Verse 4 says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And if we were honest with ourselves, we would all say, I'm not sure I could say about myself, I have perfectly clean hands and a completely pure heart. Amen? Amen. Psalm 24, however, gives the answer. It says, lift up your heads, O you gates. And be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. There is one and only one who is fit to go up into the hill of the Lord, and that is Jesus himself. But because he has gone up, because he has made a way, any and all who come to him by faith can also go up into the hill of the Lord. Amen? Amen. What a good and gracious God that he would give us sinners who have no right to go up into that holy place that he would give us access because of his sacrifice. Therefore, today, you and I, as the New Testament says, can come boldly up into that holy place. Amen? Amen. So we do this morning. We are entering in to the holy place. We don't come because we had a great week We don't stay away because we had a bad week. We come because of what Jesus has done for us in his week. Amen? Amen. Amen. A mountain he climbed gives us a mountain we can climb. So we're at the last of the mountains today. Man, we've covered some mountains over the past two months. We've been on a journey. And today's mountain is what every mountain has led us to. It's interesting, these uh, mountains we've looked at, they've... They've been laid out in chronological order through Scripture, but they are also a description of how God works in our lives. They've described a way that we come to him and a way that he works in us. He takes us from mountain to valley, from mountain to valley. He shows us something, then he calls us to walk it out. He shows us something new, and he calls us to walk it out. And you don't want to get stuck in the walking out phase and not go up to the next mountain because it's a journey. It's a process. So we've, we walked with Noah as he entered into the ark that took him to the first mountain. He didn't get there by himself. He was taken there by the flood. He was taken there in the ark. Beautiful picture of salvation and rescue in Jesus Christ. We walked with Abraham as he walked up to a mountain and sacrificed to God his big dream. He gave back to God the promise that God had given him. He trusted him completely. He put his only son on the altar. We walked with Moses up to a mountain where he got a calling up on his life to go back and set his people free. We walked with Caleb in the Old Testament as he entered into the promised land. He said, I want that mountain. We walked with Elijah as he battled the prophets of Baal. 
even though he said, I alone am here to do battle. And we saw him see fire fall from heaven. We walk with Jesus as he walked up Calvary, full sacrifice. And then last week, we were at the Mount of Resurrection as we saw our Lord Jesus defeat sin, death, hell, and the grave and make way for us. Every mountain we've been on has led us to this mountain today, part of a journey, part of a process. God has every one of us in journey, in process, to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That's your life. It's in process. You haven't arrived. You're in process. He's working in you. There's nothing that's happened in your life this week, last week, five years ago, or will happen next year, five years from now, that has not been outside of his hand for you. Do not get caught off guard by the event that happens that you think has caught him by surprise. It has not. He is faithful to conform us to the image of his son. Therefore, he is in control of all events in our life. Amen? Working them together. He has us on a path. He's taking us to new places where there'll be new depths of surrender in your life. New, new priorities will develop in your life. New levels of faith will develop in your life. New places of repentance in your life. Greater trust. Greater reach and influence. Greater vision. Greater perspective. That's what he's doing in your life. He does so personally, but he also does so in the lives of people, in groups. He does it in families. This work of God in your life is not just you isolated. It's you and it's you in your family. That's why the family relationship is so central and key to even the church. Because God is at work in your marriage he is moving you two together. He's moving you as a family together. And he moves families together who have joined together as a church. God is working in us as well as a local church, as vertical church. He had a beginning for us. He has an end for us. And he has a process for us. I believe the mountains that we've looked at over the last two months describe a path that he has had us on, that he is working out in us as well. That is why time together as a church is important. That's why this time is important. That's why groups are important. Because we get to hear and sense what God is doing in each other's lives, and we get to know how he's moving in our lives as a church. Amen. Now, <clears throat> I've had some folks ask me, what is this you keep hinting at about our church? I'll just tell you up front, we're not about to unveil some master plan. We're not about to enter a, a, a vast building program. I'm not about to you know, pull off some chart here and say, oh, I don't have all that. That's not, where I'm that's not where I'm going. That's not what I'm talking about. But I do know that God is doing a work in us. He's moving us forward. He began that work when we began four years ago, and he will complete that work. In the process, he's maturing us. He's calling us beyond ourselves so that we clearly understand that what is happening here is not just for me alone. It's easy to think that, though, isn't it? I mean, God speaks to us here. I love hearing the stories. Hey, God, God showed me this today in the service. That's awesome. And I talked to someone else. They say, well, God showed me this today in the service. And it's completely different than what the other person said. That's how God works, though. He can speak to the very unique and individual needs that each one of us have, right? But at the same time, he's working in us as a whole to move us to a place. And part of that is to a place where we understand that what's happening here is not just about me and my comfort 
and my ease and my preferences and my wants and my likes, but it is a complete unfolding of who I am to be living for the sake of others. And I believe he's doing that here in our church as well, to make us where this is not about us, it's about others. Amen? Amen. All right, well, let's get on with the passage here. Every mountain has led to this mountain. We're in Matthew 28 today, verse 16 through 20. If you want to turn your Bibles there, that's where we're going to be camping out, be studying. If you want to follow me there, I'm I'm reading the New King James Version. The setting is this. This is after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, The Bible tells that there um, were 40 days that Jesus was here on the earth after his resurrection. He didn't just uh, come out of the grave and return to heaven on the same day. He actually was on the earth for 40 days. He was talking to people. He was with people. He was interacting with them. The Bible says that there are, or the scripture records 10 different occasions where we know he met with people after his resurrection, in his new resurrected body. On one occasion, it says that he met with over 500 people in one time. So what we're about to read today is one of those 10 times. One of those times where Jesus appeared to some people in his resurrected body in a way that was different than he had been before, a resurrected Jesus. So Matthew 28, verse 16 is where we begin. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. If we were to backtrack in the story, we'd find that Jesus had told the disciples before his crucifixion, while he was in the upper room, he had told them that after his resurrection, he would meet with them in Galilee. He told them that plainly. They were still confused after what they were seeing with the crucifixion and and still a little bit confused with the resurrection. Isn't it crazy how sometimes God tells us something's going to happen and then it happens and we're like, wait, what? I don't think I understand. I told you, Jesus said. Jesus had said to them, I'm going to meet you on a mountain in Galilee. The angel had told those who were at the tomb that he would meet them in Galilee. He had told the women... He will meet you in Galilee. And so here the disciples are on their way to that place. It's interesting here the wording. It says the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. It was a very specific place. Jesus said, I want you to go to this specific place and there I'm going to meet you. He didn't give a random location. He didn't just say somewhere, sometime, but he was very specific on this mountain. I will meet you. I will give you the next set of instructions. I'm going to show you something different there. Meet me there. I'll be there. You see, Jesus was working his plan. He was going to take them to the next level. And getting to the next level means going to the place that God has for you. If you want to see what he has next, you have to go where he says go next. Amen? you got to be willing to go. This is what Jesus does. He calls us to move on. He calls us to meet him. Your life is not random. It's in process. It's in order. He had more he wanted to show them about himself than they currently knew. Let me say that again. Jesus had more he wanted to show them about himself than they currently knew. And I'll just tell you up front, that same is true for every one of us today. Jesus has some things he wants to show you about himself that you currently do not know. How about that? That means every one of us got to put ourselves in the place of student, observer, and ready for what he has to say and what he has to show us. Amen? It's a process. 
Your life's not over. He has more he wants to show you about himself, and God appoints those mountains. Now, for the disciples, it was going to be a journey to get to this mountain. They had been in Jerusalem, and now they were going to go to Galilee. They had been in Jerusalem where Jesus had been arrested. They had been in Jerusalem where Jesus had been beaten. They had been in Jerusalem where Jesus would be taken and crucified outside the city. They had been in Jerusalem afraid because they had really messed up in the night. They'd been in Jerusalem and they'd made some really bad choices and ran and even denied knowing Jesus. It was Jerusalem. They'd made some bad choices there. It was their past. And Jesus said, I want you to meet me in Galilee. But to go to Galilee, you've got to leave Jerusalem. You've got to leave where you've been to get where, woo, he's called you to go. Amen? You've got to leave where you've been to get where he wants you to go. You've got to leave some things behind. Disciples, you're going to have to leave behind what happened in Jerusalem. You're going to have to leave behind your past. You're going to have to leave behind the pain that was there. You're going to have to leave behind what happened there. You're going to have to leave behind all the religious stuff that's there because I've got something new for you. But if you don't meet me in Galilee, then you can't get what I've got for you in Galilee. If the disciples had said, I don't know. I mean, it's just been real comfortable right here in Jerusalem. I just kind of, I just gotten used to it. I know it's not all that great, but I've gotten comfortable here. I don't know if I want to go to Galilee, and it's a mountain. I mean, it's some work. I don't know if we should really. Hello? Anybody with me so far? Sometimes God calls us to some new places. He calls us into some new depths. He calls us into some new places in our life. And you've got to be willing to leave where you were to get to where you're going to what he's got for you. Amen? Amen. It was a day's journey. It was a climb up a mountain. We have the privilege of knowing exactly how the story turns out, but for these disciples, they didn't. They didn't know what was going to happen on this mountain. They didn't know they were going to see Jesus in a way they'd never seen him before. They didn't know that on this mountain, he would give to them the greatest vision for their lives They didn't know that in this moment it would be something that would be recorded and read throughout church ages all the way down to today into something we call the Great Commission. They didn't know all that was going to happen. They only knew that they had to leave Jerusalem and that Jesus had told them to to go to Galilee. You have to leave where you've been if you want to get to where God has you. The New Testament makes it clear, the book of Ephesians specifically, that there are riches in Christ. And it uses a very interesting word to describe these riches. It says they are unsearchable riches. In other words, you could bear yourself off down into them, exploring them, taking them in, in wonder at them all, And you would not ever come to an end to their greatness. You would keep finding more treasure, more riches, more wonder. And the deeper you went, the more it would be. Unsearchable riches. That's why it's so sad to me when I meet followers of Jesus who have come to a a stopping point in their faith. They've reached some point and, and they haven't grown beyond that point. They, they're still the same as they had been. They really haven't changed much in their character and the way they think and the way their emotions control them. They really haven't changed much at all. They're still in the exact same spot that they were two, five, ten years ago. 20, 30, 50 They still tell the same stories. They're still stuck in the same mode. They haven't really changed. Followers of Jesus Christ ought to be the people who are in this process of change. We're throwing off dead and picking up more life. We're like a snake that's throwing off some old dead skin. 
We're really not like a snake, but <laughs> some kind of reptile, some kind of something that's throwing off its dead past and putting on its new life. Hello? Yeah. We're not like we were. There ought to be some sense in your life that if, if you had a way to go back and meet the you of five years ago, that you'd be shocked. That you wouldn't walk up to him and say, hey, what's up? Yeah, not much. Good. Yeah. Is everything the same? Yeah. All the same. Good. All right. It shouldn't be that way. There ought to be some things about our lives that are so radically different because we keep pouring into the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. Because there's depths of his love that he's waiting to show you. There's depths of his love that ought to free you from having to have everybody else's approval that makes you stand and say, God, I have your approval and that's enough. There's depths into his promises that we should be bringing into our lives that causes fear to just leave the room. That ought to be what's happening for us. If you're still wrestling with the same fears that you've always had, something's not right. You're not pressing into the unsearchable riches. There ought to be some change happening in our life, depths of peace entering into your soul that you've never had before that make you actually feel sorry for the you of five years ago. You think, oh, if I would have only known then, if I would have had this understanding of God's ways, if I would have known his peace in my heart then, there should be depths of freedom in our life that are greater than they've ever been before. There ought to be depths of purpose in our life that's causing everything about us to change our time, our priorities, our energy, where our money goes, all that stuff. It ought to be in a constant process of change so that you say, I want to leave where I've been. I don't want to stay where I am. I want to move on. I got to get past Jerusalem. I got to get on to Galilee. I got to climb that mountain because it's, an, it's a mountain that has been appointed for me. Let's get back to our story. So the disciples go to this mountain. And there Jesus is going to meet them. Just remember, though, this version of Jesus is different. Because he, the last they saw, he had been arrested, beaten, and crucified, and died. That was the last they knew of Jesus. They knew him as the sacrificial lamb. They knew him as the one who had suffered. And now he was about to show them something different about himself. He was about to show them himself in victory. He was about to show them himself in authority. He was about to show him himself in glory. They were about to see Jesus in a way they never had before and it was going to mean some change for them. And God is persistent and consistent and wants to do the same for us. He wants to take us to some new places to show us some things about himself. Not because he's changed, but because he's walking us in process to get to a new place. We're the ones who need to change. Let's watch what happens. Here we are, verse 17. It says that when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Mm. We know the 11 were here. Many believe that there was a crowd that had gathered as well, that there were others who had found out, he's going to be in Galilee. Come on, let's go. Yeah, it's on that mount. Let's all go. Let's go. And that there was actually a group here. And so the group has gathered, and remember, Jesus is showing up in a way they haven't seen before. Yes, he has scars. Yes, you can tell it was him, but there's something about him that's different. He's, he's, he's got glory about him now. He's got some victory about him now. He's got some confidence about him now. He's got some authority about him now that's different than when we saw him last. And when they see him, it says that they worshiped him. They were in all of what they saw. But what a way to end the verse. But some doubted. 
Some looked and thought, hmm, I don't know. Is that him? What is that? What's going on here? I don't know. I've never seen anything like this before. This is different than anything. How can we trust this? I think I need to go Google about this for a while and see if I can really believe this. I need to go see what some other people might say about this. Can you really, can you, I don't know. A crowd of people, many are just in awe and they're worshiping. Their hearts are surrendered, they're grateful, they're glorifying God. But some are skeptical. Some are doubting. This isn't what I've known. If I accept this, it's going to mean some change for my life. If I buy into this, it's going to mean that... uh, I've got to change. I mean, this isn't what I saw for the past years. I I don't know. This is just different than what I knew about who Jesus was. I I just don't know. I just don't know if this fits my personality to be like this, him like this, and all that's going to mean. I just don't know. I don't know what this means for me. Hello, let me tell you something. When you see something new that Jesus does and is, it's not about you. Hello, it's not about you. It's not about whether you feel comfortable with this or not. It's not about whether you feel like this fits you or not. It's not about you. It's about you adjusting your life to him. Not about him having to adjust for your sake. Of course he's not the same. This is the resurrected Jesus. This is something new he's doing This is something powerful that you've got to take in. He doesn't want you to stay the same. If you want to see what's on this mountain that he's appointed for you, then you're going to have to leave where you've been. It's interesting. Some people had made the physical journey from Jerusalem to Galilee, but they hadn't made the heart journey from Jerusalem to Galilee. So here they were standing in Galilee with Jerusalem hearts. They still had the heart of the past and the mind of the past and couldn't take in this new expression of who Jesus was. And that's why they're filled with doubt in this moment. It can happen in our lives. We get, we get to this place where we get stuck, comfortable, in what we've known and we forget that it was change that got us to that place and that change will take us to the next place. We forget that God did a work to get us to that spot and he's got another work he wants to do to get us to this spot and to this spot and to this spot. But we get comfortable here. We say, well, you don't know what it took me to get to this spot. You should be happy that I'm right here. Hmm. No. You should be humbled and ready to move on to the next spot is really what ought to be happening. And when he challenges you and tells you it's time to leave where you've been, then you have to be willing to do that. If not, you'll find yourself at a place where God will show you something brand new. He'll call you to account. He'll introduce a new truth to you. And instead of accepting it, you'll resist it. Instead of repenting of your old ways, you'll, you'll, you'll put a stick on the ground and say, I'm not moving here. I will not do that. You'll find yourself in a place of doubt instead of a place of worship. You'll find yourself still in elementary school when you should have moved on to college. You'll find yourself still drinking milk when you should be eating meat. You'll find yourself still crawling when you ought to be walking You'll find yourself in a place where you're exactly the same as you've always been instead of being filled with greater peace, greater joy, greater love, greater patience, greater kindness, greater trust, changing your ways, not who you once were. But doubt will put you in a place of resistance. Hmm. You know, in some ways, doubt can be a good thing, it, it can be the indicator. You know, like you're driving your car down the road and you feel like everything's going fine. This is great. 
and all of a sudden, indicator light comes on of some kind. And if you're like me today, it's a check engine light that comes on, and then you have to go somewhere to find out what exactly that means, because there's about, you know, 20 different things that it could mean. It could mean your car is about to explode, or it could mean that your gas cap is loose. You know, it's, it's, that, it's that kind of stuff. But you got to stop. You, sh- you should stop and ask somebody. You shouldn't just keep driving with the indicator light on, right? Doubt can be like the indicator light that comes on. When all of a sudden God introduces something brand new to you, he confronts you with a new issue, he calls you out of your past, calls you to leave where you've been to go to a new thing that he's trying to teach you, and you say, I don't know. That's your indicator light right there. When that doubt arises and your first response is not yes, Lord, or not worship, but instead is, I don't know. The light just came on. The light can be a good thing. Because it it signals you're all of a sudden having to deal with what he says versus what you say. Because it signals all of a sudden he's doing something brand new in your life and and you're having to adjust. He's he's saying something new and it's time for you to pull over, right? So it can be a good thing if he's challenging you, calling you. But here's where it gets to be a bad thing. is if you refuse to ever pull over and get the light checked if that doubt has been there for months, years, decades, and you let it become the wall instead of a place of worship. You have to leave where you've been. Now, this verse ends kind of sad. Some doubted. It'd be tragic if Chapter 28 just ended right there. It'd be tragic if the whole Bible just ended right there. That was the last thing we had. Wouldn't it be terrible? But the good news continues because it doesn't end right there. Some are worshiping, some doubt. But look what happens next. Verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them. To those who worshiped and to those who doubted. Jesus came and spoke to them. If you're here this morning and you're at that place where you say, you know, I I have been wrestling. My indicator light's been on for a long time, actually. I don't want to tell anybody about it. Please don't ride in my car with me. I'll just meet you there. You know, that kind of thing. It's been on for a while. Jesus meets you with your indicator light on and says, I'm here. And I've got something to say to you. What he says next is for the people with the indicator light on. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You're at a place right now where you are struggling, you're wrestling, you're uncertain. You've chosen to keep your sin instead of repent of your sin. You've chosen to fear instead of faith. And Jesus says, let let me tell you something. Let me tell you something as you wrestle with what's going to happen to me next. Let me tell you something with your wrestling that says, well, if I give that over to him, what's what's then going to happen? Let me tell you something as you wrestle with What if I surrender my life completely to him? Jesus says, know this. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. In other words, Jesus was saying, look, your life is not under your authority. If you are making your life under your authority, then you're going to end up arrogant because you, you, you are maintaining control of the whole show and you'll be arrogant and resistant. If you're putting all your authority in those that you think are against you, if you think your life is under the control of everybody else, especially those who don't like you, especially those who are out to get you, if you think they are the ones running the show, 
then you'll live and it'll be bitter. Your life will be angry and bitter and resistant against everyone because you think they are the ones running the show. They are the ones who come to make you miserable. They are the ones who are messing up your life. They are the ones who have messed everything up for you. If that's who you think's in control, you'll end up bitter. If you think your circumstances are in control, if you think the events of your life are the ones that are just in control, they, they do what they want when they want and you don't have any control over them. If you think they are the ones running the show in your life, I know what is going to happen in your life. You'll end up filled with fear because you'll think there is no control. You'll think things are out of control and you'll think that the worst case scenario is going to have control. That's what fear does in our life. And Jesus says, know this, all authority, all authority, authority over life, authority over circumstances, authority over the events of your life, authority over the evil one himself, authority over death, authority over sin, authority over every person alive on the planet, authority in heaven, authority in earth. Jesus says, I have it. Now, let that speak to your doubt. Amen? Jesus just, he just cuts it straight. I don't know how you've read this passage before. I don't know if you've just read it as some Easter beautiful story. It is. But Jesus is hitting fear, anger, resentment, doubt, all of that head on. Don't let anything else reign in your life. I have been given all authority. And when they come telling you they have power, don't listen to them. I have all authority, Jesus said. Amen? The enemy doesn't have power over your sin. Oh, he likes to remind you of it. He likes to point it out to you. And he may have his toys gathered around it, but Jesus has been given authority over it. And when he says it is finished, it is finished. It's not for you to keep picking up, looking at, feeling bad about, living depressed, living in fear, it is finished. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. And on this mountain, I'm telling you something you haven't known before. I'm telling you something that, that you couldn't even experience before. You didn't know this in Jerusalem. You saw me crucified there. But I'm here in Galilee, resurrected to tell you I have been given all authority over heaven and earth. Hello? Hello? And there's nothing in your life today that is not under his authority. That situation going on at work, it's not in your boss's hands. He thinks it is. You think it is. God says, I have all authority and I've placed it all in my son Jesus. Right? Come on now. Is it true or not? Over your situation going on at home that you're wrestling with and you fear and that relationship that you just can't quite get worked out, you keep thinking it's being controlled by something else or someone else. All authority has been given to Jesus alone. Amen? Amen. Those circumstances that you just can't reconcile in your life of what's going on. Well, they're out to get me. They're trying to get me. This situation is trying to bury me. Look, those situations don't have that authority. Those people don't have that authority. Jesus alone has authority. Submit to him, see him in it, and you'll know how to live on this mountain. Stop living like you're in Jerusalem. You're on Galilee now. Amen? But you're going to have to know he has all things under his authority. And in this authority, he speaks and he says what he says in verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is what you now are tasked with. This is what you are now called to. You you may be afraid because of what has happened to me, Jesus might have said to them. You saw me arrested. You saw me crucified. You may fear what's going to happen to you if you choose to follow me when I call you. But know this, I have been given all authority and now I'm giving you a responsibility. And the one who has authority gives responsibility. And he calls us to accountability. Amen. This is who we are. This is what we are now to do. He was saying to the disciples, I'm I'm rearranging your life for you. I'm going to give you a task. I'm going to give you a purpose that's going to change everything about your life. You thought it was about fishing. You thought it was about working. You thought it was about just being comfortable. You thought it was about trying to make things easy. I'm giving you something new. I'm going to give you something new that's going to be bigger than what you've known. But remember, you're going to have to leave where you've been to get where I'm going to take you. You're going to have to leave your old priorities. You're going to have to leave your past. You're going to have to leave some things you thought. You're going to have to leave your fears. You're going to have to leave your sin. You're going to have to leave your doubts. You're going to have to leave all that. I have all authority now. Now I want you to redirect your lives around the single purpose of making disciples. And in case anybody thought that was a small task, Jesus said, look, I want you to make disciples of all the nations. All the nations. They didn't have American Airlines, Uber, Google, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, any of that stuff. They were going to have to go to the nations in the technology of their day. They were going to have to do that task in the time in which they lived. How? They didn't know. When? They didn't know. Where? They didn't know. But they did know this is the new marching orders. This is what we are about. And they had to go in that. Go. Now. And you're going to make disciples. And I'm giving you a vision so big that It encompasses the entire world. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to introduce to them what I've done. I want you to call them to repentance. And then I want you to baptize them. I want you to baptize them into the fullness of who the Father is, who the Son is, and who the Holy Spirit is. This is your task. Verse 20. And I want you to be teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I want you to go. I want you to speak. I want you to baptize. But here's where Jesus puts his a little bit of time in. I I want you to be teaching them. I want you to instruct them. He says, I want you to be teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. In other words, I want you to teach them what I've taught you, what I've showed you, but I want you to teach them how to live it out. Observe, that's what it is, observe. Teaching them to follow, live out what I have commanded you. The process that we've been called to as Disciples of Jesus and as a church is to take this news, let it revolutionize our life, let it become the single greatest focus of our life, and then be about the work of helping people know how to live this out. It's by no accident that Vertical Church has as its vision statement to lift him up and there you go. This is what we do. We live it out, and, but it's not just for me. It's not just so I can have a cute little Christian home. It's not just so I can have a peaceful little Christian marriage. It's not just so I can have a few little nice Christian children. 
No, it's about that and it's about a whole lot more. It's about me taking my life and allowing God to use it to help other people experience the fullness of what he taught and how to live that out in their marriages, in their homes, with their children, in their finances, on their job, in their community, in their personal life, all of that, teaching them to observe. Mm. That's a brand new mission, a big work. And it's gonna take some sacrifice. It's gonna take some effort. It's gonna take some serving. It's going to take some training. It's going to take some maturing. It's going to take you changing who you are, what you do. It's going to change everything about you. But know this, just as you had to leave Jerusalem to get to Galilee, you're going to have to leave this mountain. You're going to have to leave this moment. I'm sure the disciples thought, this is such an incredible moment. He's right here. There's Jesus, resurrected Jesus. He's telling us he's got all authority. Oh, it just stirs my heart. They're worshiping him. It just so moves me, but they must have thought and said. It's just so incredible being here in this moment. Him telling us what he's called us to. Him reminding us who we are. Him reminding us who he is. It's such a beautiful moment. And Jesus says, all right, in this beautiful moment, get out of here. Go! I didn't call you to this mountain to stay on this mountain. I called you to this mountain to go and tell other people about this mountain and bring them to this place. Amen? Amen. This is what we're called to. But boy, it'll, it'll upset the apple cart in your house. Mm-hmm. It'll change some things because you've been doing things a certain way for a long time at home. You kind of got your life down to a pattern. You've kind of worked it out to what's comfortable. You kind of, you know, know how to avoid those uncomfortable, awkward moments. You kind of know how in your own mind to put off the preacher when he starts talking about stuff like this. Not our people, though. And Jesus says, I'm calling you. I'm challenging you. And this is your time to go. And the go is going to look like something different than what got you here. There was a go that got you here. I told you to go to a mountain. But the go that gets you off of here is a go that's got some confidence that Jesus is in authority. It's a go that's got some power to it because Jesus says he's always with me. But it's a go that's got a vision and a punch to it that says this is now what we are about. I want to give you a little bit of a teaser about the next series that's coming up here. Because there's a process that God has had us in. There's a process God's taking us through as a church. That process is just like this process of mountains. This mountain called the disciples to go, to leave. This is not about you. This is not about how... Beautiful, wonderful, special, peaceful, loving, wonderful, this little mountain here is. This is about go from this mountain because there are, there are multitudes out here who don't know about this place. There are multitudes who believe their life is under the authority of so many other things. They don't know about the authority of Jesus. There are people who are living without the presence of God in their life because they believe they can't know it. And you are the ones who were called to take it to them. Jesus was very clear when he talked to his disciples. He said, follow me and I'm going to do something in you. When you follow me, I'm going to begin a work in you. I'm going to change you. And what he said to these guys who were fishermen, he says, if you follow me, I'm going to do a work. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you fishers of men. You've known what it's like to go out into a a culture that's different than yours, underwater, hello? You you know what it's like to go out into that culture. You know what it's like to catch those who are in that culture and bring them out of that culture. He says, I'm calling you to do the same. But we're not talking about fish, boys. Jesus says, we're talking about 
catching men, women, families, and rescuing them from their watery grave and introducing them to what can give them life. The fullness of a follower of Jesus Christ is not one who ends up being a recluse in their home, but one who is turned outside and influencing and making an impact for Jesus Christ on their world. That is life. That is real life. In fisherman terms, that is R-E-E-L life. Our next series is called Real Life. It's about what it means to become followers who live not for themselves, but for someone else to be rescued. Watch our little teaser video here for what's coming up next week. some exciting things coming up in this next series. I can't wait to tell you about them, and it'll be fun. It starts next week. But I believe that's part of the process God's called us to. Your life isn't going to make sense until you stop living for yourself. The work that God is doing in you won't make sense until you realize it's not about you. And if you're at a point right now where you think, I've been praying, I've been listening, I've been worshiping, and there's some things that just don't make sense, I'd say, first of all, welcome to the mystery of following God. (laughs) Number two, much of it will make no sense until you realize it's not about you. Never was, never will be. That's real life. So as a church... And as individuals, we're going to walk forward from this spot. Amen? Amen. God has brought us to some great mountains. We stand on one today. But I'm ready for the next one. Amen? I'm ready to come off the mountain, go down into the valley and do the work. I'm ready for us to go there. I'm ready for us to go in the awareness that Jesus has authority over all things. Amen. You don't have to worry about talking to your neighbor and what they're going to say to you and it's the right timing and all that kind of stuff. He has all authority, not you, not them, not circumstances. Hello? You don't have to worry about what's going on in your job. He has all authority. Trust him in it. You don't have to worry about what's going on in your relationships. He has all authority. Trust him in it. Surrender to him. Let him have your timetable, your schedule, your desires, your wants. He has all authority. Submit to him. He'll work it. I'm ready for us to go to that place as a church. I'm ready for us to go to whatever is next. Whatever is next. Submitting, surrendering, going there, saying, Jesus, you have all authority. You are doubly authority because you're the head of the church. And we'll trust you. We'll follow you with whatever that is. We'll go to the nations. We won't make it about ourselves. We'll go into what you've called us to, to teach others the life you've shown us, a way that truly is vertical. So today, as we wrap up, let me just challenge you with a few options today. It might be that you're here and you say, I have never taken the step of becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. That may be you today. And hearing all of this, God is using it in your heart to speak to you, to say, come to me. I'll give you rest. Come to me. There's forgiveness for your past. Come to me. I have all authority. Not you. Not your enemies. 
come to me. I will make you new. So if that's you today, I'd say call out to him. He hears you. I could give you a script to pray, but he hears your heart with whatever you say to him that says, God, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. I'll follow you. If it's as simple as that, it's as simple as that. And you will be given new life and a new heart. It might be that you've taken that step, but there's another step that the Bible calls us to, and it's baptism. It's taking that personal step and making it a public decision, putting it out there for all to see. It's that, it's that moment that solidifies it and says, boom, you're going to remember this. And so everyone else. On June 2nd, we're baptizing right here. We changed our date. It originally was May 19th, but to make it where some others could be a part that wanted to, we've moved it to June 2nd. So we already have a small list. We're gathering of people who said, I want to do that. I want to make a public declaration of my faith right here. I want to be baptized. I want to be lowered into the water, raised back up as a confession of my faith before God and others. This is real to me. Amen? It might be third that you've done both of those already. But that today God has been speaking very specifically about some areas in your life where you've been living more Jerusalem than Galilee. And he's called you to come away from there and get to here. And you're going to have to do some work. You're going to have to do some repenting of some sin. You're going to have to leave some things behind. You're going to have to stop living in your fear and your past and your depression, your guilt and your shame. And you're going to have to stand under the one who has all authority. Amen? If he's calling you, go there. Go there with him. Trust him. Take that step. Don't let your life look the same as it always has. Get to that mountain that he has appointed for you. Would you bow your heads with me? I just wonder, in this room today, who would say, God has been speaking to me about one or more of those areas. And I'm, I'm making the choice today. I'm not going to stay where I've been. I'm either going to come to Christ and follow him, I'm going to be baptized or I'm leaving a place I've been in my heart so that I can get to where he's calling me. If God is challenging you about any one of those three, would you just lift your hand just for a moment, just as a way of saying, I hear you, God. I am committing. I will follow. Amen. Amen. Lots of hands. God is at work. Don't miss the call to leave where you've been and get to where he is. Father, this morning, I'm so grateful that you still speak. That after the disciples had made some of their most detrimental decisions, after they had failed miserably, you called them to a place and you spoke to them. You gave them promises. You gave them hope. You gave them vision for their life. And because they heard you that day, we stand here today still reading the story, still benefiting from the story, still on mission from the same story. So this morning, as your people individually and as your church collectively, we say we will leave where we've been so that we can get to where you're calling us. We'll leave behind our guilt because we know it was taken care of at the cross. We'll leave behind our fear because we know it was defeated in the resurrection. We'll leave behind our selfishness because we know it has no place in walking in the spirit. And we will be who you call us to be individually and who you call us to be as a church. We will leave behind our past and we'll go to our Galilee that you have for us. 
Father, we thank you this morning for speaking to us. We come to worship. Doubts dropped aside. Worship full on in gratefulness and in awe of the resurrected and risen Jesus in heaven at the right hand of the Father, ruling over all things, to whom we submit our lives and to whom we pray in his name. Amen and amen. What an amazing sermon. God has called each of us to a specific mountain. Will you climb that mountain or will you stay where you've been? We will climb that mountain. We'll see you next week live.